Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. What did we do today? Got me a treat. Listen, I'm just going to say Hobby Lobby is all 60% off and there may have been a three-foot tree for $15.99. And it accidentally got thrown into the cart. It jumped in the cart. It all so happened so fast. It just jumped in the cart. 60% off. With and here's the last thing. It was the last one. And they're like, listen, that's the last one. You can have the floor model. And we're like, well, take it. Right? We didn't, we didn't do it. They did it. Uh, the tree jumped in the cart with some decorations. Yeah. <laughs> it was an accident. Whoopsies. Oops. So we were like going for white theme, but you know what I see? A lot of red. Like red, white, and the brown. Because Peyton has a really cute little brown. Um, it's like a gingerbread house ornament that we got her when we just went on our work trip. Because I felt so bad. I hate leaving her. I hate leaving you. Well, I couldn't go on the business trip with no. her because... No kids. Be- yeah. Why? Because the insurance doesn't co- doesn't include kids. Do, and why? Because if a kid gets hurt, yeah. they'll have to pay a lot of money. Yeah, and they just don't want to risk that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And basically that. Yeah, it's just not worth it for kids to get hurt. You know what I mean? Okay, we are reading The Graveyard Riddle. And what chapter are we on, Peyton? Chapter 22. Yep. All right. The key to number one chestnut clothes was still in my blazer pocket when I walked to the school the next to school the next morning. When mum came back from returning the letter to Mr. Charles, to Mr. Charles's house, she didn't say anything. So my suspicions were correct and neither of them had looked closely enough to realize who it was from. Hopefully, Teddy had just put it with all the other mail on the kitchen counter, and then Mr. Charles would be none the wiser. I was safe. I couldn't do anything about the letter while I was at school, so I decided to push it out of my mind for now and focus on the riddle. Matthew sat behind me for the, in my first class, which was French. At the start of the lesson, Mrs. Kent talk, told us to talk to the person beside us in French about our hobbies. Instead, Matthew took the chance to question me. You got the key then, he said. Yes, I said. Smashing a football into a greenhouse was a bit extreme, don't you think? Typical Jake. He was aiming for the fish pond, actually, said Matthew. Mr. Charles loves the f- those fish, and he thought if he heard a splash, he'd run out. I glanced at him, and he was smiling. He must have found it quite fun in the end. Who is it you're going to sneak into number one, he asked. Miss Kent walked past Matthew and I, and we started to speak French. He was saying something about how much he liked football, even though I knew he didn't play. As soon as our teacher moved on, he went back to English. You can trust me, you know, he said. If there was one person I could trust in the whole wide world, it was Matthew Corbin. We've been through quite a lot together this last summer. He was my best friend, after all, even if things had been a bit weird between us lately. Okay, but you must swear not to tell anyone, not your parents, not Jake, no one, I said. Matthew nodded. I won't tell a soul, 
he said. I took a deep breath. There's someone hiding in the graveyard, I said. He's in trouble, and I've, I've said he can stay at number one until he can get help. Matthew's eyes widened. I could tell that this wasn't what he was expecting at all. What do you mean there's someone hiding in the graveyard? Who is he? A boy called Hal, I said. Matthew checked around for Mrs. Kent, but she was in the back of the class. Don't his parents know where he is? How old is he? I don't know. Fifteen, sixteen? He must have run away, said Matthew. No, it's nothing like that, I said. He's doing some work for a secret agency. But the plans were in place have gone a bit wrong. And there's going to be a cleanup in the graveyard on Saturday, so he needs somewhere to stay for a few days. Staying out, saying it out loud made it all sound so unbelievable. A secret agency? Seriously, Matthew said. There was a laugh in his voice. How do you know he's not lying? He could be a murderer or a thief on the run. A wanted criminal. He's not, I snapped. He's going to help catch those kinds of people. Oh, I knew I shouldn't have told you. Just forget I said anything, okay? We sat in silence for the rest of the lesson. Apart from the, the practicing a few French phrases on each other, I was so annoyed with myself for telling him. I had promised Hal that I wouldn't. And now I'd risked everything. My last class of the day was math. Matthew was in the advanced while I was in the regular class, along with Jake. Our math teacher, Mrs. Bryant, was out sick, so we were waiting to see who was going to appear as a stand-in. Everyone seemed to think that this was a good reason to mess around. The whole class was chatting, and apart from a couple of us, hardly anyone was sitting at their desk. Someone threw a pencil across the room, which hit a boy called Daniel on the shoulder. Daniel grabbed a bright yellow highlighter pen from his desk and chucked it back across the room. Soon, everyone was throwing things. Rolled up sheets of paper, rulers, pencils flew <coughs> at our heads. I stayed in my seat, happy to be out of all of it. I hated when everyone behaved like this. I got my math book, and I opened it to a new page and put my head down. Just then, the door swung, o- swung open, and we saw who the stand-in teacher was going to be. Who do you think it's going to be, Peyton? Mr. Jenkins? Yeah. Yep. It was Mr. Jenkins. I knew it! Yep. There was a mad scramble as everyone rushed back to their seats. Mr. Jenkins wasn't a teacher to be messed with, but someone hadn't seen he was there because his bright green eraser soared across the room and smacked Mr. Jenkins right on the side of his nose. Oh, shoot. Mr. Jenkins flinched at him, then stood dead still. The green eraser fell to the floor bounced once, twice, and then came to a rest beside his sneaker. He bent down and picked it up. Who threw this, he said. He held the eraser between his thumb and his index finger as if he were holding up an emerald in the light. Nobody said a word. Maybe you didn't hear me, said Mr. Jenkins with a nasty smile. I said, who threw this? Everyone jumped as he shouted. Oh, he yelled that, jeez. Mr. Jenkins had the ability to go from a whisper to an eardrumming, shattering loudness within seconds. Again, no one spoke. Walking into this classroom was like walking into a chimpanzee enclosure at the zoo. Mr. Jenkins bellowed. He slowly walked around the room. Now I'm going to ask for one final time. Who threw this? The room was utterly silent. Mr. Jenkins came to a stop besides Jake's desk which was in the corner on the other side of the classroom from me. My heart sank. Jake Bishop, said Mr. Jenkins. Was it you? 
Did you throw the eraser? I didn't want to look to see if Jake's face... Jake's pale face not meeting Mr. Jenkins' gaze. No, sir, he said quietly. Can I turn this page or what? Gee, many Christmas. Mr. Jenkins walked back down the aisle in front of me. I find that hard to believe, he said, given that you're usually the center of any disturbance. Did anyone else see Jake Bishop throw it? Anyone? No one said a thing. Come on, someone must have seen him. I wanted it to be Jake, but he could he wanted it to be Jake, but he couldn't prove it. From the angle that the eraser had, eraser had been traveling across the room, there was no way Jake could have thrown it. Silence. I saw Mr. Jenkins shrug slyly. He was going to have to leave it, I thought, but then I heard Jake's chair scrape and st- and he's as he stood up. It wasn't me, all right. Trying to pin the blame onto me won't work, won't work, not this time. I twisted around and Jake was standing with his clenched hands by his side. He was breathing fast. I looked back at Mr. Jenkins and noticed the corners of his mouth turning up slightly. This is exactly what he wanted. A reaction. Sit down, Jake. You're making a fool out of yourself. I shut my eyes and silently begged for Jake to sit back down, but he didn't. Last chance, Bishop, or else it's a month's detention for you. Did you throw the eraser? Jake stayed silent. Felt sorry. I felt sorry for Jake. Okay, so he could be utterly horrible sometimes, but he didn't deserve this. Mr. Jenkins was complete, being completely unjust, and if there was anything I didn't like, it was seeing someone treated un, being treated unfairly, even if it was Jake. My brain buzzed as, la- as buzzed as I suddenly got an idea. I'd seen someone on film once. It was an old film that I watched with my dad. It was a really it was really long and I couldn't remember what it was about, but I do remember the scene that the dad had pointed out that was famous. I found myself slowly pushing my chair back. It made a terrible screeching sound and every single face turned around to see what I was doing. I stood up. My knees trembled and my heart pounded. Mr. Jenkins stared at me. His mouth slightly parted. I threw the eraser, I said loudly. There was a gasp in the room. Mr. Jenkins took a step closer, frowning. What did you say? I swallowed. I threw the eraser, I said a little quieter this time. I'd never been faced with Mr. Jenkins' anger before. I felt like his eyes were penetrating my brain. This had been the ter- a terrible mistake. Just then, there was the sound of another chair being scraped backwards. A few rows in front, I could see Daniel, the boy who, th- had, who had owned the eraser, slowly rise to his feet. I threw the eraser, he said loudly. Mr. Jenkins had his head shot around. You? Someone else stood up. This time it was Samira in the front row. Samira is the best student in our year. I threw the eraser, she shouted. Mr. Jenkins spun around, but Helena stood up. She looked at everyone and her face bright red, and then I saw her take a breath. I threw the eraser, she yelled. Next was Thomas, who jumped to his feet. I threw the eraser, he yelled, laughing loudly. I threw the eraser, I threw the eraser. I looked around as the student after student stood up. I looked at Jake. Does he realize what everyone was doing? He has the same color back in his che- he had the same color back in his cheeks. Every single child in the room was standing up at their desk, declaring that they had thrown the eraser. We stood in silence, waiting for Mr. Jenkins to say something. He looked at all of our faces in turn until his eyes rested on one person. Jake. Jake Bishop, he said, get out. There was a moment of quiet. Nope. Of quiet as Jake hesitated. And then a chair crashed to the floor as he grabbed his bag and stormed through the classroom, slamming the door behind him. Mr. Jenkins walked to his desk. His back was to us. 
and I saw the rise and fall he took with every deep breath. After a few seconds, he turned to face us again. Who would like to update me on what you did in your last lesson? We all looked at one another and then slowly began to sit back down. It was pointless. Mr. Jenkins was never wrong, even if a class of 30 couldn't convince him otherwise. That was good. I'm glad finally somebody stood up for him to that jerk of a teacher. Rude. All right, next chapter.